0: How many are thankful for Bex in this house? How many love when she just gets the word of the Lord, starts proffing you out while she's singing? Amen. How many love when she gets a microphone and just starts preaching? I'll tell you, there's a spirit of the world and even a spirit of religion that's trying to choke off the voice of women. But can I just say that, women, you are mighty warriors of God. Being a warrior doesn't have, is not something masculine. It's a stance. Amen? Let me, let me quickly show you something. I shared this a couple, a couple of Tuesday nights ago, I believe. Uh, you guys don't have to turn there, but I'm just going to show you something in the Word of God for anybody that feels like women don't have a right to preach or teach in the house of God. Anybody ever heard a word before like that, like women shouldn't preach? How many, how many women have heard that before? Maybe when you had the Word of the Lord and it's like, oh, women, you don't need to preach or teach. First of all, let me quickly hit this. It's going to be real quick because I actually do feel like God's got some awesome stuff. But it actually ties in, I believe, to what God downloaded into me today that was really last minute. Can I just say something? I was totally blown today because I was like, flip, man. I have all this stuff that I could and want to preach on. But I was like, God, what's your word for today? Has anybody ever maybe felt like they had something they could say but they didn't feel like it was something they should say? And that's, it's something about being sensitive to the Spirit of God, especially being a, a preacher and a teacher. We need to take it serious that we don't just get into the ordinance of checking the box like she was saying or being familiar, but that when we do things with the Spirit of God, that we're doing it intentionally, that we do it with faith. Amen? Amen? All right, everybody stand up. How many people are alive in the house today? All right, on the count of three, everybody that's alive and that isn't dead, at the top of your lungs, you're going to shout Jesus. Is that cool? You're not going to shout it like, Jesus. You're not going to go to your falsetto, Jesus. You're going to with it all from your belly, at the top of your lungs, on the count of three, everybody in the house, shout Jesus. Amen? Ready? One, two, three. Jesus! Now just give a shout to the Lord. Amen? All right, everybody that's alive can sit down again. It's good to get something out of your mouth. Amen? How many, how many have been in love with somebody? How many have been in love? Raise your hand. All of us that don't have our hands raised, we're like, oh, no. How many know that the person that you love needs to hear you say, I love you? Amen? Hey, we, got, we got Robert and Melissa in the house, and Melissa's like, hey, get your hand up. I'm just kidding. I'm just poking fun at Robert. They both shot their hands up at the same time. First Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 34 says this. The woman the, or the women should keep quiet in the church. As everybody say, boo. For they are not authorized to speak, but should take a secondary and subordinate place, just as the law also says. Verse 35. But if there is anything that they want to learn, they should ask their own husbands at home. For it is disgraceful for a woman to talk in church, for her to usurp and exercise authority over men in the church. Now, if you stopped reading there, you can all of a sudden be like, oh my goodness, all the ladies, they got to keep quiet. All the ladies don't have a right to speak in church. They actually need to come underneath a man and just hear whatever the man has to teach them. That would be true if you knew, if you didn't know that Corinthians was actually a response in a letter that Paul received from the church at Corinth asking him questions. And throughout the entire scripture, he gets questions and he responds to each question that he is asked. So let me read the next scripture right after this, verse 36 or verse 35. Verse 36 says, what did the word of the Lord originate with you, Corinthians, or has it reached only you? Paul was basically saying, are you kidding me? Women can't speak in church. I desire that all prophesy. He's responding to them asking a question because it's called a responsa. And if you look in, in Hebrew culture back in the day, when a, when a, uh, the t- I was skipping my head. What's the teacher? Rabbi. When a rabbi would teach the law that the people would respond and it was called a responsa. They would send a letter to ask questions about what's taught. And then the teacher, the rabbi would respond to them in a letter. So all the women in the house say, hey because some of you guys are called to speak and the enemy's trying to close your mouth. Well, let me read a scripture to you today. I don't know, do we have people that are alive in here still or we have people that are actually excited? It is not an it, it, listen to me when I say this. I say this humbly. It's not good enough to actually just sit there like a stone dead wall and just expect what comes at you to actually take root. How do you, how does everybody in this in this room eat? Do you eat like this? You got a spoon in front of your mouth and you go What do you have to do? Open your mouth. How many know that the word of God is actually food to eat? So opening your mouth is a response that you take. So if you see me on the front row and I'm like, yes, come on, Jesus, amen. I'm not just trying to hype up the preacher. I'm receiving what is being said. So anybody that feels like, oh, that's just a little bit too charismatic or whatever, listen, charismatic, who cares? Don't put a name on it. Understand, do you want to eat or do you not want to eat? If you want to eat, open your mouth and respond, and all of a sudden, watch what will fill it. Amen. Some of you guys are looking at me like it's deer caught in the headlights, like, oh, my gosh, where are we going? Do I have to say amen now to everything he says? No. I'm just giving you an opportunity to respond. Amen. Open up to, uh, there you go. we got a couple of people got it. Esther 414, really quickly. Esther. Esther 414. This scripture hit me because... For those that don't know, and I'm not trying to get brownie points right now for my birthday, but my birthday is actually April 14th, 414. So th- this scripture hit me differently than it's ever hit me before because I feel like sometimes there's a word in season. Amen? You, you ever read the Bible and, and you're reading it and then something leaps off the page? Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's like you read the same, and the same scripture and the same scripture time after time, but then all of a sudden you're reading it one day and then bam, it just leaped off the page and it like did something different. Got you to look at it a different way, or maybe it just hit you in the heart. Anybody know what I'm talking about? This is what this scripture did to me today. I'm going to read it to you real quick. Verse 14. For if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance shall arise for the Jews from elsewhere. But you and your father's house will perish. And who knows but that you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this and for this very occasion. There is a plan of the enemy right now to keep you silent. There is a plan. See, this is why it's tying in right now. This is what I'm telling you. This, I read this scripture, and then Bex came up to me on the stage, and we talked about something, and it reminded me of how, how there was something kind of trying to come against women and preaching and teaching and all this stuff. And then, bam, I was like, oh, my gosh, Esther 414. God told me that before I came up today. And the Bible says in the scripture, this is Esther. How many women have ever got a word that you're like an Esther? You're like, come on, can I get another word? Amen. But it's like, that's an awesome word. Amen. Being prepared for the king? Come on. All the ladies that want to marry a kingly guy, someone that has kingship, that has authority, that has position, that's confident in who he is, that's called, that actually has something on him, who would love to marry somebody that had that type of confidence and stood in that type of position in their life? Amen. Don't be shy in this place. Come on. Wake up. It's okay to desire. It's okay to desire. Don't you know that God wants to fulfill the desires in your heart? That's in the Psalms. He wants to fulfill the desires of your heart. Do you know what the desires of your heart are? Have you gotten the desires of your heart out of your mouth? Come on. Verse 14. For if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance shall arise for the Jews from elsewhere. But you and your father's house will perish. I know that nobody in this room would raise their hand if I I asked the question, who would desire them and their father's house to perish? The Bible is saying here to Esther, the word of the Lord is coming, and it says, if you keep silent, the people of God are going to get relief and deliverance, but you and your house shall perish. You say, oh, Jeff, that's kind of like a heavy word. What are you saying, that I'm going to perish? Listen, there are promises of God that you have to contend for. And the enemy wants you to keep your mouth shut and in fear and timidity, feeling like you don't deserve it. Because if you really found out what you deserve on the other side of the cross, you would roar like the lion that you are on the inside. You wouldn't be a scared little kitty cat hidden, hidden in the back room, wondering, is it my time? Is it my time? Is it my time? How are you going to see this? The Bible says, in this time, do not keep silent. That's the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord is saying, open up your mouth. Let the word of God come from your mouth. Now, some of us, we get timid because we look at our circumstantial evidence of our life and we go, but I don't have authority in my life right now because. How many know what I'm talking about? You look at maybe the job isn't lined up yet. The finances haven't come. I'm not married yet. All these lists of things that we disqualify ourselves with. Anybody know what I'm talking about in here? Hello. How many have disqualified themselves knowing that God has given you a dream, given you a call, given you a purpose, maybe given you an actual word of the Lord to proclaim, but you feel disqualified because you look at circumstantial evidence in your life that disqualifies you in your head? How many know what I'm talking about? we got to get over this. Turn with me to Jeremiah 33. Father, I pray that today there would come a word. There would come revelation that imparts into every single person listening to this today, God. And that there would be something that shifts, God. There would be something that comes that actually bears fruit, not because of our own merit, because, Lord, we know that the grace of God that we have received, it's an unmerited favor. We could have never earned it in our own strength, God. So, Father, we ask right now by the Spirit of God that there would be an impartation today, Father, that there becomes a fire and a strength and a hope that gets resurged inside of our hearts, God, and that there comes something that shifts us out of complacency, shifts us out of failing mindsets, and shifts us into sonship and the kingdom of God advancing in our own life, God. In Jesus' name, if somebody believe that, say amen. Come on. We're going to raise up lions in this house, amen? Listen, being a lion doesn't mean just being masculine and being, being strong all the time. It means there's a... Everybody know the, the saying about a lion being the king of the jungle? When you see a lion, what does it do to you? It, it, you don't know what the lion's thinking, you don't know if it has a loud roar or a silent roar. When you just see a lion, what happens to you? I don't know about you, but I'm like, I don't want to mess with that. I don't want to cross paths with that thing. Anybody seen those videos? This, this one guy blows me away, man. He literally is like, uh, I think, saving them from circus life and like zoo life and everything. And he literally gets out there and he has like this GoPro attached to him. And you're like there with him running. And all these lions come running to him and he starts just wrestling with them in, in a safari-like field. And I'm like, this dude is next level, dude. He is like another level. Because I don't know about you, but I'm more like the guy. I saw this video on my Facebook feed come by recently, and there was like all these like guys that are that are uh, over in another part of the of the world where there's like a lot more people that like to have wild animals and big cats and stuff. And they were playing with an with a lion or a tiger, and there was a bunch of friends. And the guy that owned it let the tiger out, and he's like, "Oh yeah, you guys just you know play or whatever." And the lion was sitting there like totally calm. And the guy was standing next to it and trying to get, you know, a little self, not a selfie, but somebody's taking a picture. And he had his hand on the line and he was all fine. He was like, oh, this is awesome. It was like, but it was like that real nervous smile, you know, it was like teeth chattering smile, like, oh, this is awesome. And then the, then the lion went, A-choo! and he was like, "Ah!" Oh, and he ran out of it, ran out of the enclosure. That's what you are like to the devil. Just a sneeze in your identity will scare off every demon that is trying to hound your life right now. Amen, Jeff, that was a good word. See, some of you are feeling like you have authority over the devil because of your own merit. The reason why the devil's scared of you as a son of God is because of nothing else other than the blood of Jesus that has washed you clean. Because of the righteousness of God that has come to be your portion because he became sin, so you can now become the righteousness of God. When the devil looks at a son of God and the identity and the sonship of what he is called to be, he's looking in the eyes of Jesus, not yours. You need to believe that. Amen. Your circumstantial evidence does not dictate your identity. What you believe does. Hello. I'll say it to this side. Your circumstantial evidence does not dictate your reality, your identity, Jonathan. What you believe us? Who are you? Amen, I believe you. Come on. You got to know it though. It's not just words. It's about being unshakable on the inside, not with strength, with revelation, with understanding. In everything, get understanding. We're looking to understand what is this great thing that Jesus did for us? It can't just be repetitive things that we say. There actually has to be something in us that stands and is immovable because of what Christ did. Amen? Let's look at Jeremiah 33. You guys there? Let me read from verse 1. Everybody know who Jeremiah is? Great prophet of the Lord? You ever read the Old Testament? Jeremiah is awesome. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah a second time while he was still shut up in the court of the prison, saying, Thus says the Lord who made it, the Lord who formed it to establish it, The Lord is his name. Call to me, and I will answer you. And show you great and mighty things, which you do not know. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning the houses of the city and the houses of the kings of Judah, which have been pulled down to fortify against the siege mounds and the sword. They come to fight with the Chaldeans, but only to fill their places with the dead bodies of men whom I will slay in my anger and my fury. All those whose wickedness I have hidden my face from this city. Behold, I will bring it health and healing. I will heal them and reveal to them the abundance of peace and truth. And I will cause the captives of Judah and the captives of Israel to return and rebuild those places as at the first. I will cleanse them from all their iniquity by which they have sinned against me. I will pardon all their iniquities by which they have sinned uh, have sinned. It- Sin And by which they have transgressed against me, then it shall be to me a name of joy, a praise and an honor before all nations to the earth who shall hear all the good that I do to them. They shall fear and tremble for all the goodness and the prosperity that I provide for it. Somebody say amen. That's a good word. Amen. Now, I wonder if Jeremiah would have been seeing himself as a prisoner, would he have given the word of the Lord? And then Judah and Israel don't hear the word of the Lord to walk into, nor can they walk into it, because without vision, the people perish. If Jeremiah identifies as a prisoner, he can't stand and prophesy as a prophet of the Lord. Come on, somebody wake up in this place. I'm telling you, this is the word of God for your house. See if you look at yourself in your failures. If you look at yourself in what breakthroughs you've had lately. If you're counting your faith based on your own merit, you will not be able to stand and say, thus says the Lord. But if you see yourself as a son. And listen, a son does not have to do with male or female because the Bible says that an immature son, or an immature believer will still count heathen, they will still count Greek and Jew, they will still count male and female, but somebody mature in the faith sees neither Greek nor Jew, sees neither male nor female. So that's why a woman that is reborn in Christ filled with the Holy Ghost, it really doesn't matter about your gender because you are the son of God releasing the word of the Lord. Come on, wake up. Somebody needs to catch this. This will shift everything. Some of us are waiting for our life to be perfect before we believe perfectly. Your faith is going to manifest perfection. Perfection is not going to manifest faith. Perfection will actually kill your faith. What builds your faith is trial, tribulation, testing. See, some of us were praying for the fire to stop, but Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had it right. They didn't say, God, take away the fire. Take away King Nebuchadnezzar. They say, if my God delivers me or even if he doesn't, I'm still not going to bow. See, some of us are praying ourselves out of qualification time zones. Seasons where we're going to the next level that the enemy is going to pull that little bungee cord that's going to launch you. And you're saying, God, would would you just make it stop? Would you make it stop? I've never gone back this far. But you don't realize that what the enemy is doing is he's actually giving you momentum to go forward at a speed that you never could have without that trial, without that tribulation, without that loss. This is what faith looks like. Faith without works is dead. So the working of your faith is looking into the eyes of despair, looking into the eyes of a religious spirit that's saying, keep your mouth shut. Don't you know who you are? And you say, yes, I do. I have been crucified with Christ. And it's no longer I who lives, but it is Christ who lives in me. Hello. See, we got to believe. And believe looks like something. Faith looks like something. Faith doesn't look passive. Faith doesn't look like a failure. Faith doesn't mean you don't fail. It just looks at failure and it goes, thank you, God, for that opportunity. Here I go again. Thank you, God, for that step. Here I go again. Thank you, God, for that ladder because I'm just going higher. Glory to glory to glory. But some of us, we're looking at mistakes and we're looking at failures and we're going, oh, that's the disqualifying ground. That's the ribbon that disqualifies me. That's the word that disqualified me. That's the sin that disqualified me. Name one sin that the blood of Jesus doesn't quench and take care of other than blaspheming the Holy Spirit. And to give you an an idea of what blaspheming the Holy Spirit looks like, that would be to actually see the Spirit of God moving through a life and actually doing something that is plainly good and calling that evil and making a decision in your heart never to repent. That's what blaspheming the Holy Spirit would look like. So anybody that's afraid of doing that, you're not going to do it because how many of you will look at somebody getting healed and it's like, oh my gosh, you just begin to cry. You look at a life being repaired and you're like, oh my gosh, God, I remember when. How many people have seen things where God moves, where the anointing moves, and all of a sudden your heart is moved as well. So don't be afraid to miss out. Everything else is redeemable. Believe. But there must be a preacher to preach. And this takes me to the next portion of my message because, and it was actually, it was prophetic, everything she was singing. What the enemy is fighting past you being silent is you not being unified. He's trying to sow seeds of division. He's trying to use your diversity as a reason to disqualify somebody else. You're seeing it right now in the actual world, but it's happening even more in the church, if we're honest. We We get crazy with all the, you know quote-unquote lives matter and the and the, all the stuff that we look at diversity stuff outside but if we're honest there is more division in the church than there is in the world hello you got people that'll put stickers of coexist in the back of their car but it's hard to coexist with another christian in a church where we're all professing the joy of the lord is our strength and we're all redeemed that's blown Selah. Second Corinthians chapter five. Turn there with me, if you would. Is somebody getting something tonight? Is something receiving something tonight? That's a better question. You might get some stuff, but what you receive is dependent upon your own heart. I preached that on a Tuesday night recently. Isn't it amazing? I'll say this just for the sake of those that haven't heard. Isn't it amazing? How you can go to the same church, be listening to the same worship band, be having the same people lay hands on you day after day after day, and you always have a reason why God isn't coming. And then there comes a decision in your heart one day when you're by yourself, and you just come before the Lord and you repent, and you begin to bless everyone around you in your own prayer time, and you begin to think loving thoughts towards the people that are around you. you, begin to thank God for them, and God begins to minister to your heart, and you begin to spend that whole week in the Word instead of that whole week on netflix and you come in on a sunday and then all of a sudden you walk in and the cord hits and you're like oh my god jesus same church same worship band same preaching what changed your heart we got to be good stewards of our own heart amen jesus isn't going to steward your heart for you i'm not going to steward your heart for you you're going to steward your heart for you And if you keep your heart soft, I promise you it'll be good soil in which any seed that has any part of life will bear fruit. But if your soil has weeds that are ready to come up, is okay with the devil coming and stealing some stuff, is definitely okay to bring judgment and criticism towards the seed that's being sown, I promise you, no matter how great the word, even if Jesus himself was speaking it, you wouldn't receive it because of the hardness of your own heart. And we know that biblically because we watch through the Gospels, Jesus in the flesh, walking, talking, breathing, preaching, and we see people that had open hearts and people that had hard ones. We don't have a crucified Christ unless we have hard hearts. Hello? See, some of us were waiting. Where's the perfect preaching, Jeff? Where's the perfect word, Andrew? Come on, Bex. Where's the perfect word? And God's going, oh, there, there, young one. Let's just rotate till that hard-hearted heart right now. Let's soften it up. Let's just take that dough, that pizza, and let's just beat it up. I'm telling you. I'm telling you, this is the truth. Because, the, because some people will come to churches, and they're trying to find a perfect church. I like what Dan Muller says. Some people will come, and they'll be like, man, that church isn't loving enough. And Dan's like, well, it should have been. You're there. I love that. That's a great statement because some people are going in and they're like, I don't like the preaching here. I don't like the worship here. Why don't they have a full band? How long have they been doing ministry? What the heck is this guy saying? Oh, man, look at the failures and the mistakes. Why is he dressing like that? He should be wearing this. It's like we have all these flipping criticisms and judgments and lists to disqualify somebody when Jesus isn't disqualifying for you for mercy and grace. Who are we? We're clay, guys. We're being molded. So let's stay moldable. If your heart gets to a place where it's not moldable, I'm telling you, that's a great time to start repenting. And repentance is easel. E- easel. <laughs> repentance is easel. What's the thing where it's like you mold a pot? Is that an easel? I was going to say, man, I just tapped into the prof and I didn't even know it. Made a word I didn't even understand. <laughs> uh, repentance is easy. It's simply one day you are thinking this way, blown. The next day you're thinking this way, glory. Hallelujah repentance amen second corinthians 5 i'm going to start in verse 16 therefore from now on we regard no one everybody say no one, no one. according to the flesh stop a lot of people know second corinthians 5 17 all those that are in christ behold old things have passed away we are all new creations we're like glory but then we forget the verse right before where it says, hey, guess what? Regard no one after the flesh. What does this mean? Don't look at everybody's frailties that you yourself have and find specks in everybody else's eye when you yourself are carrying around two logs. Come on. And it's not the wood that your spectacles are made out of. There's literal logs in every one of our eyes when we're looking at everyone else's speck and going, why don't they fix that? Why don't- I can't believe that. I can't believe this. It's like, dude, that's not love. Love believes all things love is hopeful towards all things do you realize let me just let me just paint a picture for you guys. Do you realize that if there is a, a, a man or a woman that maybe doesn't preach perfect, maybe doesn't pray perfect, maybe doesn't know how to set up every organized administrative thing perfectly, but their heart wants to see Jesus come into a territory. There was a day when that same person's heart desired not to have Jesus even in their own life, and they were a complete blowout to everyone they knew, and now they're just trying in their best ability to have Jesus come and partner with him to see a community changed. Yet we hold ourselves in high esteem and we're like, man, I just wish people would, you know, I wish they would encourage me and I wish they would this. Do you know that some of the people that need the most encouragement are the people that are leading you? Hello? And the enemy's trying to sow division and look at all the things that you can be critical and judgmental over, and you are in that time disqualifying yourself. Because you're using what God gave you, your mouth and your tongue, instead of prophesying life and seeing it come forth, you're actually speaking death and you will see it come forth. But the problem is, is that God's anointed, those that he has kept, it's not going to come on them. It's actually going to come back to you. You say, that's a heavy word. Yeah, it is. So let's watch what we say. Regard no one after the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him, thus no longer. Here's a revelation. Jesus is not little baby Jesus anymore. Don't listen to Ricky Bobby. He's not a good preacher, okay? Okay. Though some of us, we like us some Ricky Bobby preaching. I'm telling you. Shut off Ricky Bobby and turn on the Holy Spirit. Amen? Get the frequency right. We got to start listening to the right stuff. Because even Jesus, we do not look at Jesus as the not glorified Christ. Jesus is forever glorified, forever one sacrifice that he gave, perfecting every single believer that is being sanctified through faith that has made him their high priest. Hello? We don't look at Jesus in the flesh anymore, though he has a body. We look at him as the glorified Christ. Amen? And that's how we should consider everyone around us. I am not angry at anybody. I'm angry at the spirit of religion that tries to choke off what God is blessing. Amen? And the way that God is going to bless this house, this community, the extension, your family, your friendships, your communities extended from that is by you keeping a soft heart by you stewarding your heart, by you regarding no one after the flesh and saying, Father, I thank you for this man who once used to be a sinner but is now a son. Father, I bless him in Jesus' name. I pray that you would speak to him. I pray that you would encourage him. Father, I pray that his heart would be filled with hope and that he would anything the enemy's trying to entangle him with, I, Father, I break those cords and I cut those ties and I speak life and destiny over this person. That's how you should be praying over everybody. You want to know the quickest way to get over uh, uh, criticism in your heart? Pray for the person you're criticizing like you would want to be prayed for all of a sudden whoo that spirit of criticism goes ah! and runs away because what it was expecting you to do was go Ah, oh, yeah i wouldn't have done it that way Ah, oh, yeah don't they know this revelation i mean have they read this part of the bible don't they understand that this is what it says in verse this and this is what the greek meaning was and this? listen your theology can talk you out of relationship and the relationship that god called you to is actually your destiny what do you want, theology or relationship? Listen, we're going to come before the feet of Jesus one day, and Jesus is going to look you in the eyes, and all your theology is going to go, ah! You're going to be like, oh, my gosh, this is what it's like. Good luck standing in that moment, by the way. See, we, we stand on our own merit too much, man. we got to trust God. we got to believe God. And guess what? God calls us to believe in each other. Do you know that the gifts of the church, the apostle, the prophet, the pastor, the teacher, the evangelist, are called to equip, edify, and build up the saints that we all, all. Everybody say all. All. Not just those that you like this week. Yeah, that means the person that you're hating on right now, that you would love to just hashtag with a blowout hashtag right now, connect that to their name. Oh, I can't believe that person did that. Listen, I've done it too. I'm preaching to myself. But all come into the fullness of Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm just preaching the word. This isn't my great idea. If it was, it'd be blown. I have some blown ideas. Trust me. My good ideas are God ideas. That's when, I, that's when I'll take credit. Thank you, God, for that idea. I know it's going to be good. Amen. Hallelujah. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I think that's all I wanted to read in that part. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, yes, let's turn to Ephesians 4. I was looking at the next, where I wanted to go you guys still with me you guys still in faith is some of your faith getting challenged right now good mine too and that's good nowhere in the bible does it say it's going to be easy street following jesus but it does say even in first corinthians chapter 4 if you guys want reference it does say that these temporary afflictions everybody say afflictions anybody anybody felt afflicted in their life before Felt like something was against you, something was coming over you, maybe a sickness, maybe somebody's speaking ill about you. Here, let me let me let me read it verbatim for you, just so you guys get this. Write this down if, for your notes, because this will help you. First Corinthians chapter four. <clears throat> Excuse me. Second Corinthians. I didn't have that one down. But it's in my spirit. Everybody say spirit. No, you got to say like my spirit. <laughs> Here, I'll, I'll read it from the Amplified because this will help you. Verse 17. For our light momentary affliction, this slight distress of the passing hour is ever more and more abundantly preparing and producing and achieving for us an everlasting weight of glory beyond all measure, excessively surpassing all comparisons and and all calculations a vast and transcendent glory and blessedness never to cease exclamation point. That's an awesome verse to memorize. And just prophesy every time you feel, oh, this is just too much. Here's what I want to get, give you a revelation on. I'll read it from the New King James, because that's where I got the revelation from. I think I actually heard another preacher say this. Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. This is the revelation. The affliction that you feel is going to take you out is actually your employee sent to actually work for you to produce an eternal weight of glory that otherwise couldn't have come. It's your employee. Why would you fire an employee that's doing a good job in what you asked them to do? Bring the affliction so I can be seeing an eternal weight of glory that I otherwise couldn't have seen. That will help some people that are going through a tough time right now. Anybody ever felt like, man, dark night of the soul, welcome to the Thunderdome. You ever felt like that here i'll tell you I'll, I'll get i'll be transparent with you in the in the last year i have had more things go wrong than i ever thought could go wrong in a season and less things go right that i was truly in faith for truly sowing into truly believing having other people believe with me and other people pray for and everything just being like no 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 but do you see me crying not not up here you'll in my by myself like oh jeez I'm oh, out of god Come on. It's all right to cry before the presence of God. But what you're going to see is you're going to see the lion because that's what you need. You need to see that though I have been tempted to throw in the towel, though I have been tested to give up, though I have been actually convinced in my soul that everything's too hard, my spirit rises and joins the Holy Spirit and says, not today. We're in faith. Thank you. You need this. It's called being decided. Everybody say that. Decided. You know that, Tim? I have decided to follow Jesus. Everybody know that, right? How many know that following Jesus, he's going to walk some places that aren't comfortable for your flesh to go? So you better be walking in the spirit. What does walking in the spirit look like? It looks like hope. It looks like righteousness. It looks like joy and peace. Righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Ghost. You know what, there's Sundays that I come up here, and and I know the same for our leadership team, that we are going through the thick of it, man. Like there's stuff going on in the background that nobody knows about, and I'm not trying to create a pity party. I'm just trying to give you factual information that will help to establish you to choose faith and be decided and not be tossed to and fro by the wind. The Bible says in James, think not that a double-minded man should receive anything. But when you ask, ask in faith, believing that what you ask for, you're going to receive. Amen. Otherwise, you are that boat tossed to and fro in the sea. That's not a good ride. A better ride is I have decided to follow Jesus and never look back. Amen. Hallelujah. You guys at Ephesians 4. The reason why the enemy is going to fight unity so hard in a community and in the body of Christ is because he knows that even without the spirit of God, if man is unified, there is nothing they can accomplish. God knows that. Let's put in the Tower of Babel. Let us confuse them and bring different languages. The devil didn't forget that. That's why you will see a lot of unity outside in the world more than you were in the church as soon as a cause comes up. Soon as a cause that everybody can fix on, it's like, oh, man, you got, like, people that are ready to go to war. Do you know why that is? Here's a side note. I was watching this one time. I forget this debater was talking about something. And I was like, man, I was like, look at how the enemy has deceived this person because this person was, was pursuing this cause with their heart and their soul, and they were ready to die for this cause that wasn't even a holy cause. And it looked, and I looked in the eyes of this person. And I said, this person actually believes that this cause is their calling. But the enemy had yoked himself to that cause, and so everything out of the cause was for selfishness and for something that wasn't even destined for their life. And you look at that person, you go, oh, my gosh, look at, look at who God created him to be. They are called to rally people together for the cause of the Lord. You could see it on them, but it was perverted. You just feel the anointing when, that, when you talk about it. You're like, wow, that's, that's exactly what it is. You see these people that are ready to go to war. They're ready to look Foolish for worldly causes that promote diversity, that promote division, that promote killing and stealing and all this stuff. It might not look that on the outside, but when you get to the root of it, it's all selfish. It's all self-love. But the scriptures tell us to deny ourselves and to lay down our life and follow the Lord. And when you see these people, they get so passionate about something, it hurts my heart because I look in the church, and it's like getting people to even agree with a word from heaven seems like you're pulling teeth. We got people that are ready to go to war on the streets for a cause that isn't even going to produce the kingdom of heaven. But they come into a church service, and you got to pull teeth for them to exalt the name of Jesus that died on the cross for them when they weren't even a seat in their mother's womb yet. Do you see how flippin' crazy that is? Now, that's not a word for anybody to be condemned. That's a word for you to be convicted in your heart. Lord, what in my heart is keeping me back from exalting you with everything I have? Amen. I'll receive that. Chapter 4, verse 1. Where are we doing on time? I'm like so lost. I didn't even look at the time. All right, we're 7. I'm going to wrap this up with, because with, Ephesians 4 is all about Finding unity through the bond of peace. And we're going to read about it right now. Is this all right? Can you guys give me five more minutes? Amen? You guys getting something? Amen. New King James chapter 4 verse 1. It says, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord. I like that. I like when Andrew preached about the bondservant. You guys remember that? Wasn't that so powerful? All these guys saying, I'm a bondservant. I'm a bondservant. I'm a bondservant. And then Paul goes on. He says, I'm a prisoner of the Lord. Jeremiah was a prisoner to the enemy. And he prophesied the word of the Lord. Paul willingly makes himself a prisoner of the Lord. I wonder why God used him to manuscript two-thirds of the New Testament. There was a different level of revelation this guy was walking in. He wasn't living life for himself. Paul was so, so fixated on his union with Christ that when other people were trying to make him look bad by preaching Christ, he said, I don't care if people preach Jesus for false gain or for something of their own. At least the name of Jesus is being preached. Yet some of us we look at our own life and we're worried about what so-and-so said and what so-and-so said, and what so-and-so said to so-and-so, and now so-and-so has said so and the so-and-so, and now they're talking about what so-and-so. Who gives a flip? Serve God, love Jesus, love people, be unified, believe, have faith, walk in the fire of the Holy Ghost, and don't turn back. Amen. All this stuff. When we still have fickle things that we are looking at with jealousies and envies, Paul calls us immature believers that can't even be fed meat yet because we still need the word of the Lord. We still need milk. We still need the simple stuff because we're jealous over, over, oh, look, at! I can't believe Jeff is preaching. Like, I think I could bring a better word than Jeff. I'm not saying anybody here is saying that, but I'm giving an example. These little things, I'm much better of a da-da-da-da-da-da than da-da-da-da-da. Jealousies, envies. You wonder why things are captivated in your own heart. They can't break free. Start praying for the people that you're jealous over. Start praying for the people that you're criticizing. Start praying and believing the best after things that you just, your soul is like, I don't want to, and just go, I'm going to, hallelujah. That will put a smile on your face. Because a lot of our anger and our bitterness and our unforgiveness, it's actually just stemming from ourself not really seeing ourselves in the mirror of the light of his glory. You'll never chase after somebody else's call when you find your own. When you find what God created you for, you'll never chase after somebody else's. Because you will see, I would never have been fulfilled. Look at the lives I would have missed out of. Look Look at the pleasure I would have brought my king through being faithful to something I saw small in a moment, but was like a mustard seed that wanted to cover the whole earth. Yeah, I said "earth" instead of earth. My bad. Some of you are like, he doesn't even know how to talk. I forgive you. Verse 1, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. Which also means you can actually walk unworthily. All of us people that just believe everybody's, you know, everybody's good no matter what. No, you could walk unworthily of the calling that God's given you. Amen. That means choices are important. Make good choices. The best choice you can is to pray and ask for the word of the Lord. Ask God to lead you. Don't be led, a, don't be led astray by every wind of doctrine and teaching. Actually, how many, how, how many people listen to podcasts and teaching on, the, on, on YouTube or on whatever? How many would say that they listen to that more than they read their Bible? Nobody, nobody, will, want, nobody will want to because you probably think of what I'm going to already say. You're like, I don't want to feel all bad. Listen, I do it too. We should be reading our Bible and seeking God face to face with no one looking, with no extracurricular activities going on, more than we listen to somebody else tell us about Jesus. That's a word for myself and for everybody that hears my voice. If you will hear the voice of the Lord for yourself, you will be surprised how many things sound very unfamiliar what you hear in the secret place to what you hear in the the marketplace. Or the pulpit. That's it. That's just a solid good word to get trained up in. That does not mean don't get discipled. I totally agree with discipleship because it's the way that God has built us. We are called to be fathered and and be a son, and the father breathes into the son, and the son begins to replicate and come after the father. And that is no matter gender. That's just a fathering. But understand this. That if you will learn how to get in the secret place with God when no one's watching, when no one's looking, and you don't have to tell everybody about it, and you just seek God and you read the word, and you seek God and you read the word, you seek God and you read the word, you will be surprised how quickly a lot of the things that you're waiting for to happen internally will all of a sudden start to manifest without very much effort at all. It will just start popping like popcorn. I'm telling you it's the truth. Jeff, how do you know? Because I've done it. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering. Everybody say long-suffering, but I don't like to suffer. Oh, with long-suffering, but I don't like how this feels. With long-suffering, hallelujah, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit, in the bond of peace, what does that look like? Endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. It means when you have your own opinion and it is contrary to somebody else's opinion, especially in this community, you don't get the I told you so demon. Or the finger wag demon. Or the "psh" demon. You get the father, who is this daughter to you? How do you see her? Father, who is this son to you? How do you see him? Lord, what have you created her for? What have you created him for? What are the good things, God, that you have established and destined for them? Father, I pray over their destiny right now, God. I pray that you would bless them and that you would give them favor. Father, I pray that she's going after that job right now. I pray, Father, that there would be an overflow of favor in their workplace and in their job and in their relationships. And all of a sudden, that opinion makes no sense why there was even a bicker. Because the greatest opinion entered the room. And it was how Jesus saw her. It was how Jesus saw him. And all of a sudden you go, oh my gosh, Jesus, you died for them too. With all their stuff. <gasps> and you died for me with all my stuff. I'm not perfect. I, I got the speck. I got the log. She's got the speck. she got the, but if we can all just keep this bond of peace, we're all going to make it. Because we are created to be a body. I felt like the Lord spoke to me this last Tuesday. I'm going to quickly read a couple of things. And then we're going to close. There was a time when I was in my early 20s. I had a dream. Anybody ever have a dream? And when you woke up, everybody's like, everybody's in that responsive right now. It's like, I'm like not even a third through what I'm saying. Anybody have a dream? Like, I had a dream. I had a dream. I had a dream. I love it. Come on. Give me a high five. I love that. That was awesome. You had your hand halfway up. You, you, were, you were a quarter in faith, Daniel. No, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. I'm just playing. It's okay to have fun. Amen. So I was, having a, I was having a dream. I didn't know in the time I was having a dream because it was real to me. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It was like it was so real. I woke up, and I know I'm not a woman, but the best way I can explain it is I felt like I had become pregnant when I woke up. I felt, and I, some of the girls are like, you don't know what it's like to be pregnant. You ain't never going to know what it's like to be. Thank God for that, all right? That's the best way I can articulate it. I felt like something entered in to my belly, and there was movement. You guys get what I'm saying? This is the dream I had. The dream was that I was walking through a hospital, and I didn't see all the signs and everything, but you know how a hospital feels. The floors, the doors look a certain way. There's almost like a feeling in a hospital. You, just, you could feel it. I, I was like, I'm walking through this hospital, and all of a sudden, this two people crossed my path, and it wasn't that I saw the person's face or anything, but I just attentively was like, what's going on? And I look at this person, and this person has one leg whole and the other leg cut off. So they literally had nothing above the kneecap. It was an amputee. And I sat down in front of this person, and I didn't even know, like, there wasn't, like, steps on what to do or how to do it. All This is all happening in a dream. I stepped in front of this person, and I put my hand. I sat them down. They put their legs out. And the other leg, which would have been there, I put my hand where that would have been, and I just began to pray. Just praying in the spirit. And with my eyes, in a dream, I saw, like, it was like a CGI type of effect. All of a sudden, sinews. DNA strands, and it came out all the way to my hand until bone formed, muscle formed, and then skin surrounded the leg. And the person was completely healed. I had never, ever, now at this time in my life, I'm praying for the sick, I'm praying for people to get healed, I'm believing, I'm preaching, I'm young 20s, but I'm on fire for Jesus, I'm ready to rock and roll. But I had never walked next to an amputee and was like, let's get this guy a new leg. I was kind of like, hope God doesn't ask me to pray for this person because this is going to take some faith how many know that jesus doesn't change the way he responds to cancer we do jesus doesn't look at an amputee different than a headache we do you know why we know that because you pray for a headache and you're like father just you know bless this person and take away their headache you've seen a thousand headaches healed maybe But you see cancer, you're like, in Jesus' name, I take authority over the hordes of hell. I bind. You know what I mean? It's like you chase. So we're showing in our own heart what we're actually more afraid of. Do you get what I'm saying? Jesus has not moved. So why am I sharing this dream with you? I was sitting in Tuesday night, and this is what happened. On Sunday morning, that previous morning, I was praying with Anton, and uh, who else was with me? Do you guys remember? Anton, it was, uh, was it, maybe me, oh, it was just us three. Me, Anton, and Jake. And we were driving by Pacific City on PCH. And as soon as we're driving by Pacific City, PCH, we begin to release our hands. And we say, Father, let signs, wonders, and miracles break out. Let, let circles of worship and people that are evangelizing, let them come and let them come and let them come. We just begin to prophesy. As I'm prophesying, I said, and the amputees and those that have legs cut off and that have been born without limbs, they shall grow. And I'm like, amen. But I was like, where did that come from? And I was like, Father, let the amputees come back. And the Lord began to speak to me this word. We are going to begin to see amputees and people that have no limbs begin to grow out. Now, I'm not saying that to get you excited. I'm saying that because the Lord began to bring to me revelation on Tuesday night. In the Bible, we see that we are the body of Christ. Christ. And what the enemy is trying to do in this season is he's trying to divide the body so the body won't have its life nor will it have its strength nor will it be able to walk into the area that God's calling it to walk. And so as a sign, we are going to begin to see amputees and people without limbs begin to get healed. Now, if you don't have faith for that, that's fine. Ask God for it because I'm asking, asking him for it right now too. Hello. You see, because... The limb, when it's separated from the body, it immediately dies. Yet the enemy's saying, Separate from the body, separate from the body. You need to be by yourself. They don't understand you, they're not getting you. Yet the limb doesn't understand that just like we are engrafted in the vine, we are getting our life from being connected, not from being divided. The enemy's trying to kill the church. But as a sign, whatever the enemy's trying to do, mark my words, in the next five to ten years, you are going to see an increase of prosthetics that are trying to hook to the actual DNA strands to work. And whatever the enemy does, you can be sure that God is already doing something greater because he's a copycat and God's the creator. So as a sign, we will begin to see amputees and people that have no limbs effortlessly get healed and they will begin to grow out. Some of you say, well, I've never seen this before. Well, let me take you back in time because in Azusa Street, there was a couple of main miracles that happened. One of which was they would see cleft lips healed by the thousands. Everybody know what a cleft lip is? This was supernatural at the time. There wasn't a lot of people that could get surgery that would heal correctly. So cleft lips were getting healed by hundreds and I think even thousands. But another sign that happened was that there were people, and I've shared this once before, I think. There was even a guy, and it's in a book. I forget. I think it's F.F. Bosworth that wrote it. And it showed the signs and the stories of Azusa. And I'm not trying to bring up like we're going back to Azusa. I'm just trying to build faith for you to show, for you to see vision that we're not going to perish with a word that falls to the ground. But we're going to see because we open our mouth what God has already declared to be true. The guy leading, William, C- William Seymour, the guy comes up and he has no arm. Up to the shoulder, he has no arm. And he, sa- and he says to him, I want to be healed. And, and William Seymour asked him a funny question. He said, when you get healed and you get a new job, are you going to tithe? I like that question. I know God has awesome grace and mercy and he wants to heal anyways. But I just liked the guy just asked him, he was like, so when you get this new job, because he wanted to be healed because he wanted to work. Which is, a, which is an awesome thing to be healed for. But I just like the question. And the guy was like, yes, of course. And he taps him on the shoulder. And in front of the eyes of everybody, an arm materializes right out of the shoulder and it comes back. Come on, we're going to see it. How many believe? How many want to believe? Hopefully every hand in this room would go up. Come on, let's stand to our feet right now. Now understand, I wasn't pressing in for that word. It came. It came. Do you understand? I wasn't like, oh, God, what's the miracle that Huntington Beach needs to see so they can get saved? I, there wasn't any type of, oh, I just wish God you would do that. I was literally praying like we always pray, praying normal prayers, whatever that looks like. Just to my, some my, my normal prayers look like flipping crazy man prayers to some people. Like, what is this guy on, dude? He's flipping blown. But I was just praying, and then all of a sudden I was like, and we shall see the limbs grow out and the amputees be healed. And I just begin to pray into it, and then I'm sitting here on Tuesday night, and God begins to show me why it's going to happen without me asking for it. Andrew was just leading everybody in receiving from the Holy Ghost. You guys remember that night? It was this last Tuesday before he left. Everybody was just receiving. As everybody was receiving, he wasn't preaching on anything major. He was just like, hey, we're all going to get whacked in the Holy Ghost before I leave, and everybody got whacked in the Holy Ghost. And you you were getting some awesome downloads. I saw you and heard you. It was awesome she was like the fire is coming and i was like yes it is it was awesome come on we need to shut off all these scales of the world and we need to step into our sonship our god created destinies that are already established in our ours amen come on some people are excited and some people are going to see it it's awesome some people are like well i didn't know it was time to shout that's the problem it's always time to shout hallelujah